Well, hi and welcome to 27 Talks. Today I have my good friend Dino Kopi with me today. Dino and I have been friends for about five years. Um, he is someone I lean on in this industry for just resources in every which way. He is so incredibly supportive in this business and I am so excited to have him on the talks with me today. Welcome, Dino. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Appreciate the invitation. Thank you so much for taking some time to sit and chat with me. Um, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you got started in hair. Oh, wow. Great, great question. So I, like many other hairdressers, had family in the industry. Both of my parents were hairdressers. So um, grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. My father was a hairstylist and had a salon for 45 years. And... Um, they made the transition really easy into hair. They made it look like it was, you know, something to aspire to and want to be. So, so I had a really great introduction to the industry, like unlike some others, but uh, yeah, so that was, that's where it all began. That's awesome. I love when it's like this family lineage. I think it's kind of, I always say that like, for me, hair chose me. And, and maybe that would be the same for you. I think that like kind of being submersed in that, that you're just surrounded by all of this amazing artistry and this business that brings so many people together. And I know you live and breathe that every day and it's your passion for it is clear and evident. So oh, thank you. I, I know it's in your genes. <laughs> completely, completely. So so yeah, having having supportive parents like that really introduced the whole industry in this wonderful way. And so I've, I've been very fortunate to work with some really great people uh, in the early part of my career. You know, I was part of the Sassoon Network, um, went to school there, worked there. Um, you can't get much more inspiration from an artistic and a technical standpoint there. Um, Traveled all around the country, worked at a couple of other salons, so um, had a wonderful, wonderful um, opportunity to to meet a lot of people and uh, see a lot of great hairdressers early in my career. So. That's incredible, and that influence always sticks with you, doesn't it? You know, you can pull from it at any given time once it's again ingrained in you from the start, and then through every level of your career and again it's so apparent in you in all the conversations that you and i have had it just you ooze it you live and breathe it and it's i think it's really inspiring so your inspiration that you gain from others i think you deliver that currently here at least in our um in my bubble you do and i know yeah. you do in in main outreaches within this industry too so i want to say thank you for that because i think you're incredible Oh, thank you. And you're welcome. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, you know, talking about kind of that road, right, to like beginning in your career and and like you mentioned, Sassoon, right? So starting in and having that sort of slow rise into behind the chair and then where the, your, your career takes you from there. I, I think it's interesting that you know, you kind of bring up a good point that today there's a lot of young artists that really kind of like this idea of this career fast tracking, right? And they, 
they have this like fast game in mind mm-hmm. that, you know, it's interesting to see the industry has changed a little bit because of that. Um, and in that, you know, there's not so much the road that you and I took isn't quite as present as it is today for some of these younger stylists. And I think there's some issues and pros and cons with that within the industry. I mean, would you say that you're kind of seeing that as well? Uh, for sure. A- absolutely. So it, it's been really interesting to watch these generational shifts, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you will. And and you're right. I, I, I look back at the last five or six years and I think we've taken a monumental shift and have seen a lot of people who are influenced by a lot of uh, social media um, out there. They're influenced by a lot of the conversation being about self-branding and becoming your own brand. And they, they think that that's a path forward. And it certainly is. I'm not going to tell anybody what's the right path for them. Um, Cause there's a lot of different paths to get there, but I, I think some of the individuality when we're dealing with really young hairstylists is challenging because there's not a real simple box to put everybody in. And we have a lot of different personalities in our industry, a lot of different types of um, ways to get started in the career. So people need to choose which one's right for them, but I also think that they need a little bit of guidance and a bigger scope of the industry and how they might be able to proceed forward. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I mean, and again, maybe it's just being biased from the way that we started, but truly, I think that there is that need for, it's the slow build that you're adding like skill set on top of skill set on top of skill set just like with a mentorship program or just like gosh you really have to fall on your face a few times and do it with support rather than just falling your face and crash and burn this industry needs it needs the history to be maintained throughout mm-hmm. every next generation of these like newcomers into the career I I agree with you with the social media. I think it's it's in every young person's face, right? It's in all of our faces, but especially in hair because, oh my gosh, you look at one photo online and you're like, well, I can do that. And then you realize, oh my gosh, that took nine hours and like deep knowledge of like color theory in order to create that. How do you do that as just a single I'm my own brand you know artist it's I think that is tough it's I think the support of these younger stylists needs to be something that they're desiring rather than just like autonomy right right for sure and I think really what we're talking about is how do we take those components because I loved what I've seen over the last five or six years by way of social media. Yeah. I mean, it's really elevated people's um, background of hair technique yeah. and our, it's, it's driving a lot of us, right, to, to want to be better. Um, it's just a question of how do we take our own personal um, level where we are at now and get to that. And, and I love what um, 
the technology has done by way of education. It's, it's made it more available to all of us and it's opening up a lot of doors and conversations. Um, but going back to how uh, a lot of the things that you and I did when we were first starting our career, it was a lot of hands-on. So I, I think people are thinking that they can maybe skip a lot of this when going back to what you said, it's really a, about hands in hair. And, you know, jokingly, I say, you have to do a shit ton of hair. It's so true. It's so you true. just have to and do so much hair. hair. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of bad hair. And you know what? I think this part of society is getting much more aware of is like, we learn from our mistakes. We learn more from our mistakes than we do our uh, success. So um, it, it's, it's really funny because there's just no replacing hands in it right? There, there just isn't. And I, I tell, I, I do a lot of talks at schools and over the years, and I've talked to a lot of hairdressers, a lot of young hairdressers. I've talked to a lot of salon owners, and I tell people, like, I've only seen one natural hairstylist in my life, in my entire career, which has been 32 years in the industry now. I've seen one person that just instinctively got it. I mean, she was on top of it. There's a lot of great hairdressers out there but I've only seen one true natural talent in all of that time. Yeah. And how many hairdressers, you know, that you've come across? I mean, Oh my God. Right. That would, wouldn't that be great to know that number? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are some, it's like winning the lottery, right. Or getting struck mm -hmm. by lightning to just be like naturally that, you know, gifted at it. Um, yeah. That's, it all takes work. It does. And truly the hands and hair, it, it comes from everything with like, you really need someone next to you going, shift your body this way. This elbow needs to have some air underneath that armpit, lift this up, move your body. And, and, and truly, I always think of it like, it's just a honing in skills. I, it was my friend, Ben Coe is the one who always told me, and he was my mentor who he said, he tackles it all. Like it's training for you know, being the best like three point shooter you possibly can be, right? Your body just like clicks right in and then you muscle memory, you can do it, but you don't know how to even be aware of that until someone shows you how to do it. And that oh. means like one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I look back at um, some of our conversations and what you and I have talked about. And I, I know like Ben for you and others for me is like, we do need that mentor in our life right you know I, I call it clarity of distance is a, a term I heard a long time ago we don't have that clarity of distance as an individual even if we look in the mirror we're still like I don't know so, so having somebody else be a guide be a mentor help you uh, develop those skills and see those skills from not just your eyes it, it's so helpful it's so impactful I agree. I agree. Do you think that, you know, despite, you know, maybe some of the alluring promises or advertisements that are out there for really like brand new right out of school stylists to do their own independent thing? Do you think like, even though that's been happening, sure it has been, and we've been seeing that trend over, like you said, the last five years or so, but do you see a shift kind of coming back into that some of these younger people who maybe tried that are looking to come into a salon space for that? Like, okay, clearly I missed a step. 
Let me reset. Are you seeing that at all out there? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and one that we, we talk about openly with a lot of salons and hairstylists. And yeah, so to give you a little perspective, I, I've been traveling all over the state the last uh, five years now, in and out of salons all day long, every day. And I, I'm what I'm hearing when I talk to some of these young stylists is they they don't feel like they are capable of making that leap. Doesn't mean it's for everybody, right? Some people jump right out of school. They're very confident. They just go forward and charge and and go for it. But I think what happens and because we're seeing so many independents, they, they they're not getting their hand held in that transition in that first year or two where we really are developing a lot of these skills, right? I, I always tell um, stylists or, or uh, students when I'm at a lecture saying, you know, we're trying to, you know, cosmetology school was your undergraduate work, okay? Now we're gonna go to graduate school. And that graduate school is three to five years in a salon, doing hair every day, watching hair, learning, right? It's we have so many skills that we're trying to develop, not only artistically, technically, visually, and business-wise, and how we are, because of a, a lot of our people in the industry are, are young, right? They're, they're coming right out of high school into cosmetology school. I don't know what the, that percentage would be, but I would say it's a pretty high number, right? So we don't have a lot of these interpersonal skills, um, business skills that we know instinctively so we're bringing a lot to the table for a young stylist and they have a, a lot of things to um kind of start to learn to comprehend all at once yeah so we're kind of throwing them into the fire a little bit <laughs> right totally <laughs> yeah i mean in that need for again i guess we're talking more about like leadership and mentorship needs to be there for to attract that right like those kids or i say kids because you know <laughs> those youngsters <laughs> but these new people into the salon you know um community they do need something to attract them to say like hey these are the things that can be offered for you these are the ways that we can support you and i think what do you feel like is the the role then of the salon to be able to to create that i mean that you have and like years and years and years that you've developed this exact topic but i think it's this point now that like we've that mo model kind of died out for a bit at least from my perspective here in our state i felt like we had these like really strong mentorship salons that like those are your go-to's you're right out of school we recommend you go here and here and here and then like it fell off the tracks right in my opinion, it fell off the tracks. I'm like, I want you to agree with me. <laughs> but I think it did. I think it did kind of that driving force of that education and this allure of I'm going to work for this place. I'm going to get this type of education and I'm going to become this kind of stylist. And it was very clear. It was clear for me. I think it was probably fairly clear for you as well. But then where did we go wrong in terms of that salon model that that's really not what they're being driven to? Is it because of social media entirely or is it because ownerships and leaders kind of drop the ball on young stylists? Maybe both? 
Yeah, I, I think I think you're spot on. I think it's a combination of both. So you're right. Arizona, the last six to eight years has had a ton of momentum going to independent contractors, right? Um, I, I will tell you, so again, some of my background is I, I owned a commission-based salon for 18 years. I'm a fan of commission. And over time, I, I've kind of opened my eyes to see where all of these different business models can make sense for somebody, depending on where they're at in their career, right? So I think as an industry, we have to be open to all of these models and, and figure out how we might transition from one model to another to, throughout our career even. Um, but you're right, it, it has diminished greatly in Arizona. And I think one of the biggest things when I talk to salon owners is the commitment that it takes yeah. to have a program, right? It, it, is, it is hard, it, it's challenging. It takes an investment of, of financial resources and time, right? So that's, that's a big hurdle. But I can't think of a better pathway for so many people out of school because you don't know what you don't know. And it's so much nicer when you have a good mentorship, a good um, leadership or good structure in a salon to be able to foster that knowledge yeah. and develop that personality. I, I, I look back at some of the relationships that I had during those 18 years in the salon and I, I couldn't think of a better relationship that I've had than with some of our apprentices throughout those years, right? Yeah. So rewarding, so impactful. And to hear those people come back later, years later and say, you know, it was such a great experience. Thank you so much. I, you know, giving back is, there's probably no better feeling ultimately as an individual than knowing that you help somebody in their career. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And I think coming that, from does that kind of help? Is that absolutely that, it totally? I, you know, I know it's hard. We're talking about some tough discussions. I understand oh, that for sure. And you know, then you have the whole like monetary factor, and you have the whole idea of okay, how is the salon successful? How can it still make money? How can it be commission based? How can you still lead a team? I mean, it really is entirely complicated and at the end of it all like i can understand too why some young stylists are like you know what i don't know if i can see myself fitting into a place like that i'm just going to do my thing and kind of figure it out because that's instinctively who i am you know we have a whole generation of of young people who are just like well i'm just going to get my hands in it and figure it out and and that maybe that mentorship isn't as appealing to them. But does that mean then as salon owners and educators, our culture and our idea of what we have to offer, it does have to change. And, and I think that's where I'm as an owner and educator trying to figure out too, you know, how do we pay tribute back to where the hair history got us to, but yet what's the new modification for speaking to this current stylist here and now today that's coming right out of school or who is young behind, under five years behind the chair? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great question. And, and another topic that I'm pretty passionate about is, I mean, you, you kind of know my path to the, to behind the chair. Um, I was a apprentice three different times in my career in, in the beginning. And, um, I even stepped back at one point from behind the chair saying, gosh, you know what? I, I need to kind of go backwards. 
go through another training program because I really want to build this confidence. I, I think you're touching on a couple of really important things. And one, culture is important. And, and I think people need to clearly define that culture a little bit more to what they're teaching to. Um, but also, if you're able to express that more to the people that are coming up and through, you can attract more people like that a lot easier, right? So that's, it's no different than going to match.com and trying to figure out how to write the right bio, right? You, you want to live up to your, your bio, which is no different than a salon or I want to live up to that. Uh, yeah. What I'm saying about my salon, what I'm saying about the culture. Yeah. I, I learned a long time ago, a great thing is like culture. There's two, two uh, ideas around culture. There's what you say your culture is and what the actual culture is. Right. And as a right. salon owner, the biggest challenge is trying to narrow that gap. Yeah. Right. So you got to believe in what you're saying and preaching about your culture, but you also know that you're always trying to strive towards that. You probably won't ever get there fully, yeah. but you're always striving to that. Um, sorry to interrupt. Go no, ahead. not at all. I was just like, you're totally, I mean, it just resonated with me. As soon as you said that, I'm like, absolutely. I think you're spot on with that. And, right, and how we check back on it too, right? We have to have that like barometer or that temperature check of like, okay, this is what I said. Here's where I'm really turning the mirror on myself and looking at what we're actually doing. And then again, what is the gap in between, like you said? And I think having yeah. those like moments of, let me look back and see and really do the deep dive to make sure that I am promising and living up to it. It's, it's yeah. tough. It's very tough. It is, and I'll, sh I'll be very transparent and share a story with you. So years ago, this is probably 15 years ago, I had a, an assistant come in and say that she was going to quit. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Went and tell me a little bit more about it. She's like, well, you're a really great salesman. I'm like, oh, tell me more about that. She goes, you really sold this place. You know, I, she's like, I think you really oversold what you said about the salon and, and what we were going to do. I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. I said, well, first of all, um, I'll take that backhanded compliment <laughs> and, <laughs> and say, it, it's, it's, I'm not trying to be a salesman. I'm, I'm trying to deliver every day to what I preach, yeah. right? Do I always deliver? No. Again, trying to be as open and honest as possible. But that is what I aspire to as a salon owner. That's, these are the things that I always aspire to. I probably fall short, so... But that, that, that experience really says it all. I was like, okay. So it was really, really interesting. That's like, I mean, I'm sure you were like jaw on the floor <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, you have uh, to have those happen to you, I think. And it really, it does. It, 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 clearly it stuck with you. <laughs> totally. Yep. For sure. Um, hard because there are there's a lot of noise in the background right like when you're really looking at what the day-to-day -day life is in the salon whether you are a commission or you're part of a collective or whatever you're independent truly though all three of those can have their own culture right they all can have their own vision their own mission their own you know driving force of like what the hope for the business is but there's a lot of background noise that happens, constant pulling away from that, always that push and pull, push and pull. And it's finding that core, um, you know, that culture that does live in you, that, that I want this, 
it's, it's always going to be there, but it's how to quiet the other nonsense to make sure that we're not losing sight of that. And, and if you circling back to, you know, the commission model that has, you know, mentorship program in it, an apprentice program in it, it's even more complicated at that point because it is a lot of balls in the air to juggle. And, and it is hard when people get lost in that shuffle too, or don't feel that they were, you know, sadly, if they felt that they were promised one thing and not, but it's hard to, it, it is hard to balance it all. It, it takes a lot of people living those core values in order to continue to bring an, up others underneath that model. For sure. And you've been a salon owner long enough now to realize there's some people that come into your culture and they're just not a fit. Yeah. Right. So um, one thing our industry and a lot of businesses do or need to do is get better at um, saying goodbye quicker in the relationship. <laughs> right. Because we, we all realize, hey, this isn't working. So why are we trying to force this to happen? Yeah. Um, I see that happen a lot in our industry. Yeah. You and I were kind of talking about too, just, um, you know, turnover in general and in terms of, you know, we kind of see, I think you said a, a lot of bodies that come into the business, right? There's a lot of artists that come in, they think they see the vision, they want to be a part of it. And that truly like it is defined that it's just not really like a good fit that does happen. But at what again, turning the mirror on is where's the, where's the letdown of it? You know, as, mm -hmm. is it just something that's attractive and that somebody wants to come and join it because it looks like a shiny object that they want to have part of, right? Mm -hmm. Or is it that, you know, it was promised and then and unfortunately it wasn't delivered on. And I think that is, it is the hard part about this business for sure. It is. And then you have a lot of, again, personalities involved as well too. Sure. Sure. And I, going back to the whole dating idea, it's, it's really the better the intake process, mm -hmm. you know, the slower to hire quicker to fire mentality yeah. um, helps. So if you can better start defining those, those uh, non-negotiables in your business, the, the culture in your business and things like that, you can at least attract a, a higher grade, higher thinking type of person that says, oh yeah, these are all the reasons why I'm really attracted to that. Yeah. Then it's, it's, it's up to you to, to manage that relationship and really cultivate it, <laughs> right. right? Let's, let's truly do some cultivating because here's what I've heard a lot in my career too from people that we've brought on is uh, they were looking for a training program and they went to a salon and said they had a training program, but they really didn't have a training program. Right. You know, I'm sure you've heard that too. Is, sure. um, so you can't have a training program if it's not defined, if it doesn't have a class time, if it doesn't have a dedicated instructor, you know, all of those things. So yeah the interviewing process really needs to go both ways and you, you need to be have that applicant be a, a very uh, engaged type of person asking questions because yeah. we all see a lot of salon hopping in those first three to five years in a career and it can really detract somebody a great deal from making progress 
and even push them out of the industry entirely. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because it's emotionally exhausting, right? Because even, even if you're, it sucks to be in a, in a situation where it's a bad fit anyway, it does like everybody's been there. It's terrible. It's like taxing on your soul on both sides. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that we're such artistic people. I mean, we, we definitely are artistic people and we put so much passion into what we do that when it doesn't work, it's such a letdown. Like it's even more of a letdown, I think, than many other industries because we're so in, like physically invested in, in our journey behind the chair. And it, it's, it's tough. It's tough when that, when, again, when it goes off the, off the rails for sure, it stinks. You know, I was thinking about, um, you were sharing your story about the, the assistant and it reminded me though about culture in general. And I was in attendance at, um, Bumble university the second time. So I had gone, on behalf of another, um, at the time, my first mentor, and I too have done multiple assistant programs as well, so my first mm -hmm. mentor, um, I went there uh, on behalf of him and the salon, and I was blown away by this idea of, oh my gosh, there's this whole like training method, I was so young in my career, and there's this whole training method about how to define culture and how to define leadership. And then the trickle down of exactly what you just said too, of that you have to have everything black and white on paper in order to call it what it is and to really be authentic in what your promises are either to your guests, to your team members, or to whomever you are educating and bringing up the ranks. So there was one part in it, and because there was owners, there's stylists, and there's managers, um, in this, you know, program, this three-day workshop, um, they wanted everybody to get the sense of, okay, just write your personal mission statement. Like, what is your vision statement? It doesn't have to be about the salon in, in particular, but just you as a person. What is your vision statement? And then what are your core cultural values? So this was, for me, I think I had only been behind the chair maybe 18 months, but I had been managing the salon for a bit longer than that. So again, really new, but so I write this whole thing out and it ended up, you know, coming back to me, shared it with, coming back with me, shared it with my owner, packed it up. When I moved back to Phoenix, came back with me here, stayed in a box for 10, no, yeah, 10 years. So then you fast forward to then opening our salon and I'm going back to BBU again. So it's been a decade, right? So then same educator is teaching the same workshop and she makes a point to say, everybody in this room, you know, there's like 200 people in this auditorium. And she's like, you know, Bumble has asked us to remove this part of the curriculum out of the personal defining mission statement. And she's like, it's my favorite part of the whole workshop. I really don't think we should lose it. And something came over me and I shot my hand up in the air and Chet looks over at me and goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? Shoot, just stop it. And he's like so embarrassed. And I spoke up 
And I'm like, um, excuse me, Mary. And I shared with a room of 200 people because I don't know what literally possessed me, but I did. And I said, I just want you to know that I took this class 10 years ago and nearly 10 years ago. And I read my mission statement from 10 years ago when I first did it. It is like I would have wrote it yesterday. I said, nothing has changed about it. It is what it is. And I am who I am. And these are my cultural values and don't ever take it out of the curriculum. And I kind of spewed a little bit more and it was really well received. I mean, people were probably being nice, like that poor girl, what does she think? But, um, but it, was, it was very profound to me to realize that like when you put something like that on paper and you are that dedicated to what your vision is, what your culture is, you can live that way the rest of your life. As long as you keep checking back on it, I feel like it's possible. You just got to like tune out the other stuff and, and just all systems go with it. Totally. It's such a great exploration of personal and self and even business, right? Because the idea that you're going to act differently in your personal life, as opposed to your professional life. Like, I don't know if I want to be a friend if you're, if you're going to act two different ways. Right. I, I, I can't think of, you know, bizarre way to act you're you're pretty consistently most most of us are consistently personally professionally right yeah so. yeah absolutely yeah. Agreed. i think that's important for the the business in terms of leadership you just have to like know who you are and and people will join on to that vision with you for sure and you know because i know we can talk about that forever the other thing <laughs> I, I didn't want to brush over that second part of your conversation originally was, you know, how, how do we adapt? How do we um, appeal to this new generation that might not have that same um, willingness to go through a year or two year long training program, right? Mm -hmm. Like some of us did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think the key there is thinking, okay, we have to adapt. Businesses have to adapt. One way to do that is make a training program different. You got to set it up differently, um, make it quicker, maybe make it quicker to the floor. You know, what's the pathway to um, behind the chair taking clients every day? What can we do to minimize that? Um, but even maybe keep somebody in the training program uh, for other things longer, but let's get it, let's, let's work on getting them on the floor faster. Yeah. So um, I think that's a big conversation. I think that's, I think that's how it has to be addressed. I totally agree with you. And I think it is back to saying as well, like the, the students and young stylists that are coming out of school right now or who are just in the industry, they are thinking different too. They just, they do want it to be fast. No one really, you know, wants to be like handed this training manual and it's like the line and it will take you six months to complete the line. And then you're into layers and layers are going to take you another six months just to do. And it's daunting. It's very daunting. So I think too, as educators and leaders, we do have to modify. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. And, and honestly, businesses need to adapt that because it, it's not really good for the business either no. to, to main somebody in the training program for a really long time. Yeah. So it's really beneficial to the overall business and stylist. It's, it's a mutual relationship that has to find a way to evolve. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think people are getting creative within that space too, and trying to figure out different ways to, again, have that leader mentorship role um, be adapted. And, and it's exciting to see that there's some new things that are coming out in within either new academies or new salon models. Um, but I hope that it will bring some more of those fresh faces right out of school back into the salon, back into that, you know, I would love to see more of those commission models come back because I feel like there's a lot more help to be had with stylists really working with each other. And really, despite how many years you've been behind the chair, we have all had that nightmare where you just need hair help. It is disaster. There is a dumpster fire in the chair right now and we need all hands on deck to get to get it handled. And you can't do that in a solo space. You cannot. Like what are you going to do? Leave the little room and walk to your neighbor? She or he may not want to help you. And yeah. you really need to have that camaraderie of having your neighbor right there being like, "Okay, so you're telling your client, listen, I'm going to get more hands are better than just mine. And we're all going to be in this together and we're all going to make it work. And that, I think that's something that we live and breathe at Salon 27 all the time. I and mean, it's just who we are, but yep. it's well received from the clients too. Not that we call them a dumpster. They're not a dumpster fire. I just mean you, you have them. I love that. I, by the way, I love that. Because quite frankly, sometimes it is It feels happening. that way. <laughs> yes, yeah, when it. you're like, oh, now I see. She did not tell me she had that on her hair. Okay, we're in a, we're in a hot mess right now. <laughs> and you do. I mean, we, the other day we had that where we had like, you know, three stylists like brainstorming this very corrective measure we were trying to help a brand new client to our salon and I was thinking in that even in that moment like man what would you do if it was just you you know like you're clearing out 12 hours of your day to try to figure this out it's it's tough so again it's back to we have to have a culture that's a salon that's supportive of all of its stylists that will do anything to create the happy environment for the stylist to thrive and grow in their artistry. I do think that you need to have a team-based model that is going to want to attract senior stylists to feel that they don't have to work on Inspired alone. And I also think that you have to have some sort of training in place to attract new fresh faces into your organization as well. And and to your point with business, there's room for that in there as well. It just takes a lot of energy, right? Yeah, for sure. And kind of going back to the earlier point is, yes, I do see more and more people asking for support through that when they're out of school. They're, they're kind of like in this no man's land trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to make this work? And I think it starts with the, the leaders in the local salon community conversing with salons and schools and stylists and let's show them all the different ways forward. And yes, over the last four or five years going out on the streets, I, I, I see that missing step, right? Yeah. And, you know, no matter what, uh, if where you end up as a stylist, I definitely recommend finding a couple of mentors in your area 
um, to ask them what they did, what, how they got where they uh, are now, you know, what was the, what was that road like? Where were the hurdles? Where were the speed bumps? Where were the successes? Yeah. I think we all need that in life, no matter where you are. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that we're all in a, in a good time for rebirth in general. I think this industry is in a moment of, you know, coming out of these last few months have been really hard. I know that there's many states that are still kind of in it right now, given the current time that we're in with mm-hmm. shutdown and everything. But I think it's a time to have that like self-reflection and also figuring out like what does the future look like in terms of sustainability for the industry and moving in a positive direction and i feel like it's the time is now it's definitely a moment for us all to to push forward and in a positive way and i think more people like you right we need to hear more voices like you who are kind of the driving force of hey, I've seen it done all these ways, but these are some new creative methods that we can utilize here and now to, to continue to have this industry be strong and successful. And, and again, I thank you for being part of that too, because I think you're amazing at it. So. Oh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Love the conversations. I love, you know, the, the think tank ideas. and It's um, so good. Yeah, for sure. Well, I have a couple questions I want to fire away at you if you're up for it. And they're oh, fun, okay. and they're not hair. They're sort of hair related, but not too, not not too many. Okay, you ready for this? Okay, shoot. Okay, here we go. All right, what's your morning routine? Ah, uh, my morning routine is I uh, over the last few years I've definitely developed an early morning routine because mm-hmm. I think that's just the best way to get more stuff done. So up by four forty-five quick meditation and I try to do at least 15 minutes of activity that's awesome early to rise getting it done I love it yeah um okay what's your best hair moment oh wow I know it's a hard one that's that's a really hard one (laughs) um here's an interesting one I cut my da- my dad's hair. The very first time I cut my dad's hair, I got all done. And he, and he, <laughs> I said, how is it? He goes, it looks great. Because that's the most expensive haircut I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, yeah, I figured that's probably about a $200,000 haircut by now. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. I yeah. love that story. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's your next big adventure? Oh, good question. Um, I I'd say my next big adventure is working on a organization for hairdressers, actually for salon owners, hairdressers and the like, um, I'm going to start a little bit of a nonprofit. It's going to start very small. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Um, what's your favorite hair icon? Hair icon. Can I say two real quick? Sassoon really quick, obviously, because of just what he, the structure and whether he did it all himself, but as you know, he had an amazing team in those early years that 
they often get overlooked, but um, you got to give the man a lot of props for bringing those people together Absolutely. and sharing that gift with the world. And two, um, my biggest one is really my dad. Mm -hmm. So he was just truly amazing behind the chair. He, for being a hairstylist in Omaha, Nebraska, he was amazing. He really was. He, uh, I'll share a book with you sometime. I still have one of his old appointment books. The guy averaged like 35 clients a day. Wow. Yeah, wow. he was an absolute, absolute machine behind That's the chair. Incredible. So, yeah, he's, uh, he, he did a very different type of hair than you and I did. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, what a, what a great uh, mentor, just how to do business and how to do hair. He was a great combination of both of those things. That's incredible. That's awesome. Um, what or who is your biggest motivator? Oh boy. I'd, well, I'd have to say last uh, 10 years would be my, my son, Dax. He is, a, he's a great teacher. Mm -hmm. I love seeing the world through his eyes mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, he's pretty amazing. So. He's just like a ray of sunshine, that kiddo. Yeah. Every time yeah. I see a picture of him, I'm like, oh, you just got a smile. He's got the best smile. <laughs> just Thanks. flowing with joy. <laughs> Um, let's see. Why do you love Arizona? Oh, I, that's a great question. I love that. Um, I love that it's dry. Mm -hmm. Not a fan of humidity. Uh, I love it that it's so sunny. And I love the fact that we have a lot of diversity, not mm -hmm. only Northern California or <laughs> Northern Arizona, but we get to go to AZ really easy, go to California really easy. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of escapes that are very close here. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. All right. Last one. This is seven. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? <sighs> ben and Jerry's American dream. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's a little too good. It's really good. <laughs> I was eating dessert while I thought of that question yesterday. I'm like, hmm, oh. I ask him what his favorite. Oh, uh, what were you eating? Um, a, this delicious cereal bar with chocolate on the top. It was not ice cream, but it was very good. Oh. <laughs> Some of those are just absolutely delicious. <laughs> Well, I am so grateful you took the time to sit and chat with me. And I know that we could talk for hours and hours. We totally have many occasion. And um, this, was, this was great to kind of explore some of these topics that I think our industry needs to continue to discuss. So I'm grateful for your time and, and your wisdom. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed being a part of it. And uh, I know we'll have many more conversations. Endlessly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dino. I really, really appreciate you. And I'm excited to see all the new adventures you've got coming your way too. So thank you. And thank you. Congrats on the new space. It's awesome. And looking forward to seeing what you guys uh, make out of all that. It's a ride. It is. You told me to For buckle sure. up. I'm buckling up. <laughs> <laughs> well, have fun and enjoy it, right? Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And we'll talk soon. That's great. Thanks.